All right, perfect. Um, Damon, is it or is it Damon or Damien? No, it is Damon. I appreciate it. Thanks, AJ. Perfect. No, uh, I'm a big fan of Damon Dash, uh, who was a uh, not sure what type of musical taste you have, but he was actually the person that founded Jay-Z, who everyone knows. So, oh, very uh, cool. yes, yeah, so when I saw the name, I usually go with Damon because of Damon Dash. But, um, <laughs> but no, I appreciate you joining this podcast. Uh, as Thanks I've been 100 percent, um, you know, as I've been telling every guest, you know, when I came up with this concept, I wanted to. You know, my podcast, frankly, and you've listened to a few episodes, it's a bit of a, you know, I don't want to call it a diary, but it's definitely a bit of a, um, if you go through the catalog, I mean, there's almost 700 episodes. So if you go in there, there's about 300 interviews, but a lot of the content for the last 12 months has really been, you know, solo episodes where I'm kind of just sharing some really passionate thoughts. And and so it's nice to to, to have some guests on here and then it's also nice to just reflect on 2022 and look into 2023 so um you know i'll give you the floor for the next 90 seconds or so damon please let us know you know who you are where you're from and um just a few nice things that uh you want to kind of talk about today and, and just any contextual nuances of your background you want to share yeah absolutely listen aj really again i appreciate you having me here on the podcast um i love opportunities to connect and network with people in fact it's one of the things i i commonly share in, in my interview process is the opportunity to help everybody and hopefully you know every everybody's situation is a little different and, and you've spoken to that as well as some of the other you know uh, leaders and future leaders that you've had on your podcast in the past um so so thanks again for having me um i'll give everybody a little of my background um at this point in my life believe it or not i have held just at the amount of positions um working for other organizations that it would take for me to statistically use the central limit theorem to actually make my experiences relevant. And so I say that with a caveat, it's like people go, wow, you've worked for 30 companies. Um, so I can demystify that a little bit, but 30 organizations is a lot. How old are you? You're like 70? Um, no, but I do have legitimately over 40, 42 and a half years of full-time experience at this point, if you factored it on eight hour days. Um, that's because of a lot of reasons in my past. Um, that's because, you know, my parents filed bankruptcy going into school. I grew up in a non-affluent area um, for quite a while where I um, was very cautious. I mean, even on the bus or getting off the bus about what was going on around me. And um, so all these things, I started working at super young age and um, I continued working um, to put myself through school um, as they filed bankruptcy. So, so I think that's kind of important to understand. I'm coming from a background of leadership of more than you know four years. Um, I have experience in product management, product marketing, anything really that you can think about driving businesses forward. My degree is formally in business management with marketing minor and information systems. And I've worked with and for some of the companies, largest companies in the world um, through channel distribution like Sony, Lenovo, and EMC. I've worked with Gartner, who's the world's largest research advisory firm. I've worked with uh, now iSolve, been here for a few years and love it. Um, and then I've also worked with a ton of small businesses doing consulting as well with my own business team, James Media, that I had you know a while back. Um, and, and my wife's actually a, a sole uh, proprietor as well. So lots going on and lots of experience that I'm bringing from different viewpoints and all these people that I've spoken with and met along the way. But um, that's why I'm so excited to be here because I think you, you hit on some very good topics and really I'm 
I'm open to dialogue on those and and continue that dialogue moving forward here in the future. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, <clears throat> you've you've done a little bit of a deep dive and, and I can definitely resonate with with your layered past. You know, I um as as I'm sure you've heard, you know, I, I started my career. Uh, at 19, uh, in a very different way than most, you know, I started out as a as a founder and had a uh, some luck, some hard work mixed in with a bunch of bunch of other shit. Pardon my French, <laughs> um, that I don't really know how inevitably it happened, but I was thankfully put in a position to to run a pretty decent sized company and do some things with Under Armour early on, and then very similar to yourself, I kind of just found myself continually working a number of different jobs and roles and, and fractional capacities and full-time capacities and founder capacities and partnership capacities. So to your point, I, I probably would be in the same boat. If I were to really sit there and add up the, the hours and add up the opportunities, it probably would be pretty lengthy. Um, and actually, if you look at my LinkedIn, it's the, the, the activity there is actually pretty lengthy on the experience side there too. So, um, but no, thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Um, you know, I did a little bit of a deep dive to some of your own content as well, and uh, just felt that the conversation would be a good one to have. So I'm appreciative. Uh, I do have ADD, so please remind me of what we were discussing right before we hit record, because I wanted to kind of allude and talk to some things on that topic before we officially hop in. What what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, as a fun fact, I actually was diagnosed with ADHD late here in life, um, just about two years ago. So genuinely understand and know what it's like to, you know, have had a condition my whole life, which, you know, has had some other things go along with it. For instance, all those careers that we mentioned, right, um, may not have even taken shape the same way that they did prior. So I've learned a lot, even over the last two years, about things that I could have even done differently or just things that come with having different conditions. So we were talking about recruiting um, and mental health and DEI and B are, are two passions as well, but um, really it's career development and recruiting specifically around how people get where they want to be, I believe is, is some, some of the things that we were discussing. That's right. And, and there was one thing that I, that I feel like you were kind of alluding to a bit that I also am experiencing because so, so here's a couple of things. And I, and I think I remember exactly where you were going with this. We were discussing how at times, you know, recruiters internally do the very best to keep an open mind when recruiting and trying to place talent. But at the end of the day, I think it is a very natural human being, um, habit or exercise or thing that they do where they've seen what's worked and they want to replicate that success versus potentially taking a risk on something that at paper doesn't look like a very transferable skill right and, and I think what we're and, and I would love to get your honest feedback on that because I have some very bold feedback myself but I would love to start with you where is that an issue is that something we just need to get over as a society and as potential applicants um or, or or is there or is there an in-between of you know what i have empathy around why someone would go with what worked in the past slash we should start teaching our recruiters and helping our recruiters be able to identify look if you're going to place this role here are some transferable skills titles areas of work experience that maybe you should still also look at these type of people because there could be some nice crossover and mix of capability. What are your thoughts on all that? 
Uh, man, I love that you brought it up too. And I, and please, you know, you swing for the fences um, as well, because I'm, I'm an open book. What I'd say is this, it's actually well beyond recruiters. I mean, especially if you factor in the differences between something like agency recruiting and corporate recruiting, right? Um, a lot of times it goes back to almost one of the things that you've been talking a lot about in your podcast is, which is leadership. And the reality is that everybody's busy. Everybody's driving towards KPIs, towards the rubrics, as you said it in your podcast, right? Their goals. And, and no matter how you want to frame it and structure it, um, whether you're publicly or privately owned organization, there are things that this organization wants to accomplish. So I think in the real world, we have to acknowledge that that is where we have to start. And because of that, a lot of times behaviors fall in place to support it. So if I said, hey, like you have an option of going across the street to get gas and it's going to cost you, you know, 98 cents um, and you know the gas is good, 98 cents per gallon, um, which is phenomenal rate for today. I don't remember the last time I saw that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, or you know what? There's another really good solo and owned non-corporate gas station. It's two more blocks away. It'll take you a little more time and effort. And, you know, it's going to be 99 cents per gallon. Mm -hmm. If we're being honest, I think most people's immediate behavior when they're busy is to simply drive across the street. Does that make sense? Makes perfect so sense. I, I think that it's not even necessarily an intentional thing. And I feel like from a leadership perspective, that's part of like potentially the opportunity to create time and space for leaders to not only develop themselves, but to really be conscious of their teams, their hiring managers, and, and going, what do we need for this position? Because if you're a good recruiter, that's where you start. What do my hiring managers need for this position? And what are, and it could be, man, I, I really need somebody who's going to push the envelope. I need a little bit of a different personality this time. I need, you know, X, Y, Z. And that could even fully support a diversity hire. So there's a lot of missed opportunities, if we're being honest, across organizations of all sizes. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of missed opportunities. And, and, and I'll be frank here, and, and I'm sure you'll be frank as well, because this is more of your day-to-day -day than it is mine. But I, I don't even know if the vast majority of companies that have recruiters in place are even as strategic and thoughtful as the way you just described there, right? I think-, <laughs> I think That's fair. Yeah, because I, I just think a lot of times, you know, when when a lot of recruiters are working with, you know, the heads of the departments and the VPs and the C-suites and the director levels, and they're trying to really look at, you know, who who do we need, you know, what what skills, what capabilities, what goals are we having in this time period? Again, I just think they're doing a rinse and repeat with the roles. Yeah. I, I don't think they're being very strategic. And I, and I think when you do a rinse and repeat, of course, the, the 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 natural subconscious effort of choosing and picking and identifying with those that have been there, that have done that, that look similar to the successes and the wins that we've had in the past versus to your point, if you can get a little bit more strategic, a little bit more thoughtful, you still may go with what you've done in the past. But at least, I, I, I personally believe if you can spend a little bit more time being intentional and thoughtful around what you need based off of the timing of the organization um, you may increase your chances of allowing a few more diverse candidates. And I don't just mean color or gender, 
um, diverse candidates from different backgrounds, transferable backgrounds and skills to uh, work their way into the pipeline and at least have a shot, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. And I think, so we, I'll give you a story. We actually had a, a group of, of uh, wonderful um, students that, that helped um, in the summer. And, you know, these interns were super, super cool. I very much enjoyed them. One of the first things I think, as I went through training with them, I'm like, what does a recruiter do? Like, how do you source candidates and talent and engage your leaders inside of the organization um, and get the right people? To your point, most people don't even get that strategic to begin with, but but when they do, all right, so we want more diverse talent. How do we do it? So I think that's the question that a lot of businesses miss is we know what we want to do, but how are we going to execute on it if it falls in line with the other 10 priorities? Where does it rank? You know, um, and it's not by any means intentional. I think people just get busy at least that's my hope there are occasions where maybe there's some intentionality there and you just have to forgive people on on those those moments for their shortcomings i think 100 percent. but before that i I, i'm I'm hoping well actually i'll just ask you prior to this interview did you kind of think through a few different topics and bullet points for uh that you wanted to recap for 2022 did you have a few things in mind Oh, listen, I mean, there's so much that we could cover. I feel like we could spend, you know, 10 podcasts, you know, going over 2022, 2023. But I think if you wanted to, I'll approach, because I did listen to your podcast, and I I think there's some good material on there. A couple things that I took away from from 2022, and then, you know, we could look at 2023 or what? Yeah, yeah. Let's go, let's go through 2022. But I I actually had one. Awesome big bold question i wanted to ask you prior to us doing a a 2022 recap that's okay yeah absolutely so this is a personal situation um and i would love your candid and honest feedback here um because it's been something that has yeah i'm just gonna say it this is because i'm pausing there's something that uh there's something that has been very frustrating confusing and I'm not hearing enough of an objectively clear perspective that can get me to say, okay, I I see that point of view. And maybe my gut tells me, maybe you can shed light on this for me and and give me that different perspective. Are you ready for this? You you set it up. So I'm going to say yes. All right. Let's go with it. So I have had many moments where I've applied for I'll just run down a few of the the roles, right? I've applied for channel partnership roles, uh, VP partnership roles, sales roles, really super strategic, you know, head of people type roles. Uh, I mean, and there's a few others, right? Okay. And when you look at the JD, and I know this is not just me, by the way, listeners, this is not just me. I know I, I personally know 15, 20 people that have also had this issue, but I'm, I'm, I'm having a personal vendetta here. So I'll just speak to my, myself for a minute. Um, when you look at the JDs of these roles, right, they're looking for, they're looking for X, Y, and Z experience or amount of years in this type of sales or these type of partnerships or these type of endeavors, whatever the case is going to be. 
I apply for whatever reason. I get an interview. Thank God. We get to the conversation. And every and I and I mean this day every time. I actually I'm lying. My last employer, Benny, uh, the, the name of the guy was Benny. The name of the guy's Chris. The company's called Benny, who unfortunately, you know, we're, we're we're in a freezing moment right now doing due to the recession and all these things that are here or not here. And we'll get into that during our 2022 conversation. But um, besides Chris, right? Let's just put him in a different category because he's phenomenal, love him to death. Besides Chris. And I promise you, every single time that I've ever interviewed for a company, the recruiters that I've been talking to, and even when I've got to second and third round where I'm talking to my potential supervisor or leader, they've never been able to give me credit or see the transferable skills of building a seven-figure and six-figure brand where I was the sole person responsible for channel partnerships, uh, white labels, product integrations, roadmaps, driving all sales, hiring the sales team, hiring the partnerships team, hiring every person. Um, like, I mean, I could go down the list of those things. And, and, and what I've been very confused about and the things that they said to me is this, well, have you been inside of a company and drove X, Y, and Z number of sales in this type of direct lane? And my answer is always, yes, I've been in that lane. Yes, I've done that number, but no, I've never had that title inside of a conglomerate the size of yours or inside of a business model the size of yours. And that's the only part I can kind of sit back and say, maybe I understand. But if we look objectively, and I just did this recently, and I'll stop my rant. If we look objectively, right, because I've hired, I don't know, a few hundred people in my career, interviewed probably another a thousand, I don't know. It's, it's a large number, right? And, and what I've always tried to do is I say, objectively, can this person do what I need them? Like, can they get the job done? Can this person think through the channel partnership? Can this person close the deal in the sale? Can this person lead this individual to doing X, Y, and Z, whatever the deliverable is going to be? Can that objective thing get done? The roadmap in which how they've developed those skills or got to that point are important, but secondarily important for me. The, my main priority is, can they actually do the work? And so finally, when I say back to the recruiter or say back to the hiring manager or say back to the person I may be reporting to, I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not, and I say this, I'm not, I'm not seeing the, I, I, I'm not seeing how you're not seeing what I'm seeing here. Like, like if you're looking for someone that has led a sales team or led a partnerships team or you know has been responsible for X, Y, and Z sales. And I just got done telling you that I built a seven-figure brand and I was the main person. I was the person thinking of the partnership strategy, closing the literal deal, going on LinkedIn, going on email, thinking of the strategy of getting in front of them, creating the pipeline, managing the share. Like if I did every little piece that you're looking for, but no, it wasn't in your little box of your world, I'm not seeing how you don't at least respect that and see the transferable nuance. Um, so I got passionate. I, I kept myself calm because I usually get pretty hyped. Make this make sense for me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first, uh, let's acknowledge that it doesn't always make sense, right? I think that's that's okay and that's fair. And it, it, when I say okay, I don't mean it's not frustrating. I don't mean that it's not something that causes you know challenge and anger. So I think 
what, what I will do is because we have somewhat similar backgrounds where we've probably worked and you know, doing a lot of different things, maybe even outside of our job role and job description in some ways, what you're just describing, right? Um, I think I think the best thing that I can say is this. I'm going to tell two very quick stories, and these are going to be super fast. Um, one, I went to, I brought, came over to iSolved actually from a colleague that, that said, hey, I worked with you in channel distribution. You did great things with Sony Lenovo and EMC. Um, take a look, see what we have over here if you're thinking about coming back into the corporate world. Because what most people don't know is I actually went full time with my own marketing company. I had five-star Google reviews. Well, nine yards, I was a full-time 70 to 80 hour per week Starbucks manager. Um, and I went full-time, uh, literally, I my last day at Starbucks was February 25th of 2020. Let that date resonate. Like how how bad of timing <laughs> slash luck do you have to, to quit your job um, that's your, your primary and go full-time in your own gig a month before COVID hits. Um, I joined iSolve, right? And when I did join iSolve, I took an account manager role, something I've done in the past. Um, I love being strategic with people. I like helping move their business forward. Um, it's a role that you know, that customer success and, and I'm very passionate about in general. Um, I let, always lean towards the, the heavier strategy side. If I can do customer success or, or something to, to that extent, I would definitely choose that. Um, but it was the role that was open. It was a role that was there and it was, it made sense, right? So uh, I actually sold my home in Sarasota, Florida. I had a three bedroom, 1400 square foot home that my wife and I had rebuilt once from being destroyed from a hurricane. I had a Jeep JKU, um, 2017 Jeep JKU, hard top, four doors, two dogs, huge backyard, 20 minutes from Siesta Key, paddle board in the garage, sold it all. Came up here to North Carolina and joined iSolve. So I say that because I then continue to work here at iSolve, right? And, you know, I won't tell you that I never heard we're hiring Starbucks store managers from an employee before, because no matter how great the company is, right? No matter how passionate people can be and, and how much you push in the same direction to grow our company, there's always gonna be that one person, right? Or there's always gonna be you know, somebody who, who has a different idea. Um, so the reason I say this is I actually started on DEIMB then six months after I joined iSolved, I was moderately successful in my role. Um, I'd say pretty successful, but, um, you know, I, I always think you can do better. <laughs> so um, then uh, I actually applied for a training and engagement specialist position. Um, I went through the interview process, made it to the final round of interviews out of 260 applicants. Um, I was one of only three people to make it into the final round, which is a panel interview with the CPO, our chief people officer, which is a position I know that you covet and, and very much would, would love to get into, um, who's Amy Mosier, I think you're connected, and shout out to Amy, um, who's done some great things you're about to hear, uh, one of the reasons I really respect Amy, um, Dustin Stepanovich, also in my interview panel, um, and I didn't get the job, I kid you not. I heard, you know, there's a lot of good things that you brought to the table, right? Like, but I hadn't had that specific position in the specific company in the specific time. And was I upset and taken back in some ways? Yes. However, 
I wanted to acknowledge that and do still that I have to push myself sometimes and try to see the frame of reference. And the same way I've applied to marketing positions in the past, and I have tons of marketing experience, somebody could always say, have you had this exact position this place in time, right? The difference with what Amy and Dustin did is I didn't leave it on the table and just say, okay, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful day, right? And then go find another company. And that's honestly what I see. Sorry if there's any noise in the background. Um, that's what I see a lot of a lot of candidates do. They like hit one roadblock and they stop. Instead, I said, hey, I really do appreciate that. And I understand there maybe there's a better person for the position um, at the time, right? Is there another role that you think I might be a good fit for? Is there something I can use my skill set, but still step outside of this box that I know? And I had already hired a couple hundred people at the time, um, helping turn seven Starbucks stores around. So taking, taking place in, in tons of hiring for Starbucks um, over four years. Um, so that's one story. And, and that's, that's how that situation kind of got brokered. The other one is, so my wife well, is, a, hey, sorry. Hey, 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 David, before, before you go into the second story, if I'm reading between the lines, what I'm hearing is when you ask that question, they said, oh, actually, you would be great for these type of roles. Yes. Yeah, I apologize. No, no, no. out the end there. So <laughs> that's the key, right? I think it's at the end of the day is if you're open to conversations and it's not, this is not your fault as a candidate, because truthfully, when you're interviewing from an outside, know that it's almost every HR's, like any company's perspective you can probably appreciate this being an owner of a company yourself you can't give too much info right like you you can't always say everything that you might want to say even but you really you want to find help the right people find the right homes and it could be as simple as hey it just wasn't the right team member at the right time even um but but you can though and and you being in this role now i i will say this but but you can though train develop and teach your recruiters to say look if if you come across a really phenomenal candidate that has a that has seven out of the ten six point five out of the ten skills that we need but for whatever reason you don't want to put them in this position here are some other roles that are similar enough or that are familiar enough at least be proactive to bring them up for two reasons damon number one you don't want to let a you don't you don't want to let a good talent walk out the door. If you can find a way for that good talent to be at your company and work in a different department or a different role, that's always a good idea. Number two, which I'm sure you would agree, you want to leave that person with a pleasant experience from an employer branding from a from, from an employee uh, from a candidate experience perspective. And it always feels good, and I'm sure you would attest to this because you went through it. It always feels good when they say, "Hey, unfortunately, you didn't get the job." But I put in a call, I sent over an email, I dropped some notes in for this role on your behalf. And do you have any availability this week, next week at this time? I would love for you to talk to this hiring manager because I think based off what I've learned about you, you'd be a great opportunity, a great fit for this. That little nuance, I yeah, don't, I love tell me it. if I'm I wrong, I, I don't think a lot of leaders or recruiters or organizations are are teaching and, and, and putting the recruiters in a position and empowering them to do that. Yeah. So I love it. In fact, I, I recorded a video about this and, and 
my second story is actually going to bridge this gap too, but I'll, I'll go ahead and give the, I'll give the punchline first. Um, you know, maybe we'll skip the second story, but the, the, what you just said, for instance, the reason it is profoundly impactful or could be is because you, you changed one slight variable there. And you said, instead of saying that you're not the fit for this position, they come back and say, but what about these other ones, right? And that is exactly the moment where I see most people lose. And this is actually in sales. This is in um, customer success. Um, and this is honestly one of the reasons you can put me into any one of those roles and in or in leadership. And I can almost guarantee you, because history has shown it, I will be successful, but it's not even because of me. That's the irony. It's just because I understand those points where people miss, or I understand the ability to look at something a little differently sometimes. This instance is saying, hey, instead of putting it on that hiring manager, the recruiter saying, what about these other positions, which by the way, I typically do for any of my roles. You'll talk to so many of my candidates out there that would tell you that I'm all about trying to find them a good home. Um, Meg Danner, uh, reach out to her and family. I've hired probably three or four of her friends and family. Meg Danner, I kid you not, when I started recruiting for iSolve, took two and a half months to get into a role here at iSolve in the right role for Meg and Meg has promoted since. And, and this has happened multiple times with candidates that I've hired. It's taken longer to get them hired and they've done exponentially better. And the reason is because those candidates learn to stick through it too. So the second story I was actually gonna tell you is about my, my wife who literally started her job today. It's a crazy day for us in the family. Um, she is a sole proprietor. She, I kid you not, had 46 orders open last week on her uh, Etsy shop, um, yesterday on her Etsy shop um, with over a thousand dollars in revenue sitting out there and started a full-time job today. And that's because we do want to get a home here in North Carolina. We do want to have another dog because one of our, our dogs passed away last year, like for, for our, you know, our dog Paddington that we still have. So like, there's things that we want and we're willing to work for those things. And like, I've done gigs on the side. I actually have 20, um, 19 five-star reviews, give or take on Facebook from importing and selling Japanese electronics this last holiday. I essentially started my own small business, have to report a little bit of tax income, but I've grossed, you know, three, $5,000 in the last three months of the year. It's, it's little things like that, that I see people miss on. It's follow-up, follow-through, and that determination. And you're a Gary Vee fan, so I think you'd be all over that determination because that's the difference. It's, it's just, she literally hit that roadblock with that job offer, by the way, um, not job offer, but job um, interview process. I said, just, just text them back real quick on LinkedIn, follow up. She did. And then she hit another roadblock in the interview and like where it was just a little less communication. I was like, just, just send them a quick note and say this or, or whatever, or just do this. Right. And it's not me that got her the job. It's her that got her the job. She just decided that she would go past that feeling of uncomfortability yeah. and work through it. She, she did what you're doing. She said, how could I do it? So if you wanted to know, how do I get into ISIL? That's a conversation we can have, right? 
Now, it's not always going to be I'm going to come in as a VP and I'm going to be a chief people officer. And, and that's I, I have those honest conversations, too, where sometimes it, it can't be that way. I, I'm not there. I'm a recruiter. I mean, why listen to me at the end of the day, you know? So, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's 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 tough, man. Like it's there's a th- I had 2000. 2212 13 i think applicants to one position this weekend just this weekend it's it's nuts it's crazy it's, out there it, yeah it's crazy out here it's a hard process um but no i i appreciate that i appreciate those thoughts again it's something that you know it's it's never it's, i've never heard anything yet and and you gave me some great you know thoughts on this but i still you know to this day i haven't heard anything yet that really explains i guess why um recruiters and organizations aren't taking the approach that i have in my mind but uh, it's just time man i mean yeah. i mean too truthfully between you and i so the video i was going to make is all about taking taking the time to help somebody else and and that's what i think a lot of us don't do well in this world uh, or as well as we could because there's so many good people out there i don't want to not give credit but the reality is, you know how many times that I have tested, asked for help, tagged somebody? I've actually been putting together statistics on this over the last two years now and across LinkedIn mostly, but a little with Facebook. And do you know how many times a good friend, quote unquote, would not even respond to a post that I tagged? Like it's wow. it's not that they don't care, right? I, I don't want to think that. And I don't, I don't I, I would hate to think that. But what I can say is this, there's going to be those people in your life that are pivotal. There's going to be those people in your life that agree with you or that, that have common vision or that you can congregate around. And this is why I wanted to move to New York when I was younger to find that community. And look, I'm just now finding it through somebody like yourself and maybe Michael, yep. and some others, right? Like we just got to keep this moving forward so that we can help other people by sharing this vision. And, and how do we do it? That's, that's the next thing, right? And here's the last thing I'll say, and, and, and as I give this little bit of a rant, please think about any, any, you know, any, any topics, any themes of 2022 that sticks out for you, and let's just start to, start to noodle on that from like a recap perspective. But here's what I will say, and I think the reason why, um, and if I'm hearing your background correctly before I give this rant, this is your first time technically being a recruiter? Or were you, a, or was your title of recruiter when you were with, uh, it was Starbucks, correct? First time technically recruiter title, yep. Right, so this is lead to my point. My point is the, the reason why in my gut and now knowing you more, I, I'm probably attracted to your points of views and how you go about things is because something that I learned a long, long time ago. And, and I have a, I have a football background. I played D one at West Virginia. I thought I was going to do the whole NFL thing. And the sports world has this issue as well. When you are someone that is a lifelong HR practitioner, what I mean by that is you're someone that for whatever reason, got your first recruiting job out of school you, you worked your way up to then being a potential head of talent. Then you switched over and maybe did some things in change management, L&D, da, 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 da. Like, like you, when you're looking at an individual, when you meet people that have been, quote unquote, career-long, lifelong HR practitioners, 
which what I think you find is you are unfortunately put into a situation to be um, embraced and exposed to a lot of groupthink, right? And the same best practices consistently get recycled in blogs that you read and certifications that you potentially get a part, that you're a part of and mentors that you have. And what you'll find is there's very minimal nuances and many very minimal innovations from individuals like that at times because they're only doing what they were taught and then who they were taught from are only doing what they were taught. And next thing you know, you're looking at best practices and themes that are just been recycled and tweaked and built uh, and innovated against let's say over the last 40, 50 years. But when you come across an individual like myself, maybe even someone like you and maybe and many others that come from a completely different world, that have a completely different background, what you'll find is those individuals attack the work differently, approach the work differently, have many different points of views and perspectives, and at times attack the work in a little bit more of a less robotic, less tried and true method and utilizes a little bit more, you know, creativity in how they approach getting to the, getting to the end result that they're looking for. So uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I, I always find individuals that are not necessarily new to the, to the, to the ins and outs of the role, but this is their first time having that quote unquote technical title I found that they had yeah. a wide range of skills and they approach the work a lot differently than those that are tried and true. Yeah. And I mean, you, so you're not wrong. You're actually hundred percent right. In fact, I, I'd go so far as to say, sometimes people take advantage of it. Think mm. of times where you've, you've may have heard, Hey, let's hire somebody who has no clue what's going on so that we can, we can figure out like what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. How do we accelerate our process on, on exactly. training? Like it, it's part of the business world. And so that's kind of why I'm saying like, there's, there's so many wonderful things from, from people in general um, that I try to ignore because there is always going to be that time where somebody just genuinely doesn't want to hold you up or, or help you up. Right. They want to hold you down uh, for whatever the reasons might be. Um, but you can't change that. Right. So you just kind of got to keep doing your thing to your point. Like maybe you play for a different team or, uh, you learn a different position. And, and that's where I think, you know, some people resilience is not the strongest trait that they have. And to me, I would, I would rank it very, very high, even in those times where I'm challenged and, and, we, you've discussed openly some mental health challenges. I'd love to jump into some of that too, because I think this last few years have been ultimately very taxing on a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah, what's top of mind? Let's jump into that. What's the first thing that's top of mind for you with mental health? Yeah. So, I mean, let's say 2022, um, if we can back it up, even 2021, I think the reality is we've had two years plus of, of COVID, right? And at some point, you know, I think it changed the way that people see some things and half of the time, I don't even know if it was conscious, but maybe, you know, candidates are willing to accept a little bit less of, of a lower pay. They want a different work environment. I can't tell you how many people I help transition in general. Um, if anything, I'm hesitant to tell people that I'm a recruiter when I go to a restaurant. Um, 
I mean, genuinely, the, the market is crazy right now. And we do need some of these jobs you've talked about in the past, right? We need, we're a service economy. We need service people. We need um, hospital workers. We need you know, nurses, practitioners, doctors. Um, and we need all these, these positions that, um, and I know most people go doctors, but listen, that's a tough job. Yes, they can make a lot of money, but it's not all, all glamorous, depending on the doctor, you know, right? Um, so I, I, think, I think we're going to struggle. And so I'd say 2021, 2022 has definitely challenged the way that we work. I, I feel like a lot of companies have adapted, but now are starting to pull back into a hybrid um, or in-office environment. And... I see a lot of candidates pushing back on that. So I think that is huge from a, you know, not only a work-life balance perspective, but from an overall, you know, work mentality. Um, but the bigger trend is what I want to call out here. So I think if we had to look at anything, it's really how, how do companies to maybe to the point of your podcast, how do they employees equal to benefit to to the business right and maybe it's not employees first business second but how do how do we make employees feel like they're important to us what do they need and how are we making sure that we're delivering it um i can give numerous examples from the past where companies said oh yeah but we give you this total pay package and you know my starbucks partners who made nine dollars an hour used to say I can't afford your insurance, even at $25 a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't care. <laughs> they yeah. Legitimately like didn't yeah. matter. They had to work three jobs. So I think that is a, a good example of, of just where we can focus on making sure that we're prioritizing true wellness for employees and what they need as well. Let, let me ask you this question. No, that, that was helpful. And let, let me ask you this question. And, and I shared this with my podcast a little bit ago. Um, you know, as a leader, what, what's the fine line that that leaders and companies need to walk as it pertains to mental health around the following categories? Um, you know, I've when I was I was ahead of people for out of my entire career, I've been ahead of people for about four and a half total years. Um, and the role is incredibly strategic. And that's probably another thing too. Uh, I don't have that traditional HR background, which puts me in a very odd box of, of the company has to be at the right place, the right time, the right needs, right. You, know, you know, for, Tact for tactical versus strategic. I got you. Yeah. I'm super strategic. You, you asked me to, to, to manage an ATS or an HRS. I'm going to look at it. Like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I got you. I hire people. To do, I don't do that. You know? Um, but, but my point is, when I was ahead of people, what I did is I taught the leaders in the company, the managers in the company, and I did some of this myself, where if there was a drop-off of productivity from someone that typically does not have a drop-off or typically someone that works at a pretty high level, the first question that I used to do, and, and I admit I used to walk a little bit close to the line of inappropriate, I wanted to know What's really happening in life that's causing your mental health to take a bit of a hit? Is there something happening with your spouse 
Is there something happening with your finances? Is there something happening with your parents' health? Is there something happening with your own physical health, your partner's physical health, your kid's physical health? Is there something happening politically in the world that's causing you to, to, to have such a you know, allergic reaction to, to the state of the society today that's causing you to be frustrated or distracted? What, what's happening within your own mind or your own world that's causing your mental health to take a hit? Because if I can understand and have empathy around that, then as a head of people or as a leader, I can start to tweak your workflow for a little bit. I can start to tweak the responsibilities of what I have in your plate. I can start to make suggestions for apps or, or, or therapists or, or people that I know that maybe are more appropriate to talk to you about those sensitive topics than I am. I, I, I feel like strategically, we can be a little bit more empath empathetic as an organization if we really know what's happening. Now, I know that again, it's walking close to a fine line that a lot of companies don't wanna to walk towards because you know, it's a little bit of a gray area, you're getting into someone's personal business. And so, so what are your thoughts around those components as it pertains to mental health? Because the, the drop off of productivity of an individual, what I found in my career has a lot to do with what's happening at home, what's happening at a mental health level, or obviously what's happening at like a quiet quitting, they're just not happy with the business level, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, well, listen, I love that you said quiet quitting because that's where I thought you were going at first. Um, but <laughs> no, I mean, the reality is, is actually, I think the irony is you said, you know, you're thinking of it strategically, but what you just described to me is, is almost tactical, right? You're, you ask the question, like, what do, you know, what can we ask or what do we do? I think the ultimately the, is like, is there a way that we can be human and help acknowledge it or at least listen to our employees and figure out how we can help them when they're going through challenging times. Um, and if you want my honest answer, please, the reason I say that it's almost tactical is if we're being strategic, that's very reactive approach. And that, that, that means tactical to me, right? If we're being strategic, I want to, I want my employees to know, genuinely know that I'm there. And that means that if I'm their leader, I'm present in their life to begin with, right? I'm not saying that you have to go golfing every weekend with your employees, or you should even. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you're doing those touch points where you're, you actively care, it's not just the KPIs, right? Like the KPIs are great. And if you care about that person, um, I think the answer in a way that it addresses your last podcast as well is it's in the why like why is eric thomas speaks to this he says my why is greater than my need for sleep he says i'll wake up at 3 or 4 a.m every day i'm a lion i'm not a gazelle i don't need something external to motivate me that's how i've always been but not everybody is so as a leader if we really help people to understand the why some people might go hey I'm okay where I'm at. Like, I actually like my job. I make X amount of dollars per year and it fits my lifestyle. Cool. Just yep. don't overstress me, right? Just don't, just don't ask me to work 90 hours because that's when my life hits the tank, right? We have to be okay as a business to say that's fair. I need to hire somebody else instead of asking to work 90 hours, right? I don't know what that means from a compensation perspective, from balancing departments, from planning workforce. There's, we can get strate strategic on this all day long, but yep. 
that is where companies miss when they're thinking about people planning, right? They, they forget to lead people. You've got to start at the beginning and you just have to establish that trust and relationship that somebody knows that you're going to be there when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Let's be real, right? Like if, if shit hits the fan and, and I need to make sales, who's the first person staying with me to make calls? Who's the first person who's sitting on my phone calls, not to make me look bad or throw me under the bus. They're actively trying to sell with me. We're strategizing what I'm missing, right? Like that's a sales leader. That's a, that's a great sales leader anyway. Uh, I'll say this one thing to allude to the, the, the strategic and proactive initiative that I did. And then let's, let's dive into, to, uh, to um, quiet quitting. Cause I think that was another big topic of 2022, but strategically and tactically to be proactive. One thing that I did put in place while I was ahead of people is I said, look, we're going to have, I, I had this methodology that I came up with when I was working. So I was working at a company that was predominantly in the inner city area. We had about 285 employees, 90% of them were from, um, you know, deprived areas, just financially thrashed. And, you know, the, the education level of these folks and the, the backgrounds of these folks, it, it just was not a, a good site, right? It was a nonprofit and we were, we were doing hard work in, in the inner city. And so that actually, I'll stick on that for a second. I believe personally that, and I know companies that do this, but I think more companies, when they look at all of their policies, best practices, programs, initiatives, I think it needs to be super contextual to the vast majority of the people you have in your company. And so if you know you have a vast majority of, of employees that are coming from really rough areas, you know, uh, educational backgrounds are, 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 are not that great, um, family backgrounds and situations are going through are going to be consistently up and down and potentially even violent and, and, and aggressive and just out of control, right? I mean, I think there needs to be some programs, some policies, some support for them from like an employee well-being perspective that yeah. is empathetic to the reality of their life, right? And so the punchline is I put together a program where every 90 days we would hold a, a, a one-on-one that was literally just about the following categories. How are you doing financially? You know, how how how's mom doing? How's dad doing? How's How's your sister doing? How's your cousin doing? How are the kids? Um, you know, is everyone staying out of trouble? Is anyone dealing with any legal issues? Is, is anyone having any, any health problems? You know, how, how are you doing? Where do, where do you want to be? What do you want to do career-wise? Is, is it still that big goal you told me about two years ago? Do you feel like the manager is doing everything that they can do to, to, to put some of the learning and development programs we talked about six months ago in place to be able to give you that promotion? Like just having a real like homie to homie, like I see where you are in life type conversation that was, was so contextual to the reality, right? It wasn't your standard cookie cutter that I stole from like 15.5 or whatever that HR, I, I, I'm trying to remember that, uh, I don't know, there's, a, there's an HR company that has like all these surveys and questions that you can ask your employees, but it, w- it was very contextual to where they were in life. And so I just wanted to share that with you and, and, and the listeners, because I think, you know, it just, it put us in a proactive position to, to get the data that they were sharing in those, in those everyday 90, you know, those 90, those 90 day sessions and moments that we would have. 
and proactively start doing some work to support them and engage with them and, and, and help their families out and help them out personally. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, at first it sounds like a, a great program. I love that you, you did that. Um, I actually have put it on my list of to do's to work with, you know, more with mental health this year, maybe some underprivileged. Um, and that's because it's a passion of, of where I've come from. And I, I acknowledge, um, first and foremost, that I have the privilege, and, and this is not to get too political, but it, it's true, right? I have the privilege of, of being Caucasian, male, putting on a white button-up shirt and tie, and having a reasonably decent background, and potentially interviewing differently than somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I just want to be real, very real in that the same way that women have statistically, right, less paying than men in the same position. And 60% of women still don't apply to roles when they don't meet all of the criteria for the role. 90 plus percent of men do. So how do we flip the script? Have women apply? right? Like, because you can't change what's happening on the other side sometimes. And I think, I think that kind of real and actionable real is what really helps people. How do we help underprivileged and people who don't have, to your point, finances are the first thing that stress people out when they, they don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, like, how do, we, how do we actually have a conversation about how credit runs America? And when you take away somebody's ability to get 0% interest versus somebody who started it at 18 in an affluent family who legitimately probably had a stock portfolio, went to a great school, got, you know, not saying you couldn't have done half of those things, but every little piece helps. I never had it. I'm a Caucasian white male and I never had those other pieces, right? So I still don't, I still have debt from my student loans and I still have all this other stuff. So I've gotten to see how how much it really could hurt if you had none of it. Does that make sense? No, it does. That's, that's the key. Let, let me ask you a quick question because this is going to go to the finances part. I wanted to just share this with you of another strategic thing we did. Uh, did, did Starbucks ever, like, could you go to Starbucks and say, hey, um, I want to borrow $600 for my next paycheck and then I want you to just take it off my next check. Could you do that? Yeah, so I love that a lot of companies have put that in play and Starbucks actually, I think towards the end of my career with them did put in place where you could actually borrow like out a few. Um, Usually it's through third party, right? And it's through like HR um, systems or third party apps and and those kind of things um, that will do it for you. Um, Yeah, yeah, automatically for sure. Yeah, and Uh and like, you know, my, my apartment complex does stuff like where you don't have to pay all of your rent at once and you can pay it over time to like better be convenient for you. Um, the challenge is I would say, let's look at those programs in whichever ones I can almost guarantee that are not publicly funded and are not for profit or, or maybe even some that are the fees and the other things, the real interest, like the real impact behind it. It's like, what I'd say is when my neighbors and stuff, the kids, when I grew up with, like, I was blessed. I was very blessed. And I grew up in a really crappy area with, I mean, multiple rapes per year in in my neighborhood and murders. Um, I've been shot at twice. So like legitimately, where did you grow up? I grew up in Pine Hills, Florida. 
Um, yeah, I grew, I grew which is like right by like Ivy Lane in Orlando, like all that stuff. So yeah, it, yeah, it was rough for a hot minute. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, so what you're saying is resonating. Keep going. Though. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but my experience still was privileged and I never had to give up my PlayStation. My friends legitimately, I'd go over and like one week they had a PlayStation that they got for Christmas next week, their parents took it to the pawn shop. Like this was cyclical every time and it yeah. was it's because the the support is not there permanently you know what i mean yeah and i think that's like that's a bigger piece and again politics aside i think just my mission if i can help people to your point how do you get maybe that next job right well i'm truthfully take off half the jobs on your your experience only put the bullet points that are relevant to the position you're applying. like i don't know there's tons of answers um and that's why i have these conversations every day with yeah. people i think it's super important no i appreciate that and, and and even before a lot of this technology came out why i brought that up is um at that same company i was re i was referring to i kept noticing during those one-on-ones that a lot of people were having some timing issues financially and so like to your point before the tech this is years before the technology automatically did it i just went over to the to, to, to payroll and HR, I said, look, if anyone comes um, and, and, and is having an issue, allow them to borrow 20 to 30% of their check uh, in the future and then just just jot it down and just take it off. And That's awesome. there's no interest on it. You know, they, they'll just, you know, if they borrow 200, they just pay back 200. And um, I, I just thought at the time, just trying to be strategic, if I could eliminate the timing financially a bit, if I could eliminate that from being an issue in their lives, my gut told me did it work? They would, yeah, they would show up at work and be a little bit more, you know, themselves and a little bit more present and a little bit more engaged. Um, but 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 tell me this though, and 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 let me know, please. What's your actual hard stop? How much more time I got with you? I got time. Okay. Uh, what also stood out for you in 2022? Is there is there something that um Let's see if we can get a little spicy here. Just yeah, yeah, that, that maybe, yeah. That that kind of irritated you, or something you want to see different. That that you have thoughts on how to change. Oh, irritation. That's that's not where I was headed. I was headed towards no, a, AI because <laughs> truthfully, oh, it, hit, it hit late. But I I do think AI, and I just put up a chat GPT video I recorded like three weeks ago, traveling to see family, and I I've been that behind. Um, but I think. AI is hitting that point, not not mystically, not like a lot of people have this Terminator vision of AI yeah. and, and really don't understand like the the call function of AI, if that makes sense. Like it's it's a function Let's and determines does certain behaviors. Yeah. And I think I think AI, though, is at that point where think of it like navigation, right? When navigation was released to the public, our lives have never been the same. Same thing with like smartphones. I think AI probably could do that over the next 10 years if we're being realistic. Well, let's talk about this because two companies um, connected to my portfolio, three companies actually connected to my portfolio right now. So MindStand Technology um, was an AI. You know, we had AI, we utilized mm -hmm. AI at a pretty high level. We, we had a four-year run. We were partnered with Microsoft and uh, JP Morgan and did a couple other things. And then we just, you know, we just fizzled out. You know, we tried it. We raised, you know, we raised some money and we worked hard. And then never be no more money was raised and we ran out of runway, but we gave it four years. Right. And um, 
And then also my work with Almost Insight, it's in like the human capability sector. We're partnering with Deloitte. Um, it's all AI there. And then also some work with Diversal. So yeah, tell me any thoughts you have, because I'm really big on this space right now in the workplace sector, as well as like just your HR tech, your tech stack for like HR teams and leadership teams, I think needs to be pretty strategic and high level too, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd go so far as to say like my high level opinion of AI is simply this. If you miss the ability um, to get in on AI in the next few years, if you're not already thinking about how you can better support, maybe even just support your employees, there are companies that are going to beat you to it. And, and I'm not saying this like doom and gloom, but if, if we're acknowledged that everybody through this last few years, I always say it wasn't a candidate market. It wasn't an employer market. The numbers say one thing, but what they don't say is that, you know, most people forget to look, people are leaving retail. People are leaving their nursing jobs. People are leaving their teaching jobs. They don't want to be in those industries anymore. And so the reality is the jobs that are sexy or the jobs that are coveted or the, the idea of certain places that we're moving forward, those jobs do have competition. And so literally um i'd say for instance i actually had those 2213 applicants i told you about that was for a remote role the same role i posted in charlotte 10 applicants charlotte's a massive city <laughs> literally it's like a 50 square mile city um, if you factor in suburbs in the metro area here so it's crazy to think that that's a 220 per one applicant different, right? Like that's insane. And if so, if we miss the ability to capitalize on AI, that's what I see happening. You're gonna be the person who has 10 applicants versus 2,213. And are you, are, you, are you at all fascinated with AI from the sense of like being able to assess and understand, like actually I'll ask you this in real time here, um, Almost Insight, you know, company that we're, we're, we're with Deloitte. What are your thoughts on this from like a, a recruiter TA perspective? So right now our technology can identify the following variables, like identify how curious someone is, identify how they would, what, what type of decisions they would make in certain set examples. And you can like provide and feed examples into the AI. Um, we, we can kind of understand where they want to like how they want to learn and develop best and what they need from leadership and management and learning and development programs because what we do is we put we put applicants through a, a game that's about 30 minutes long and pretty much the game throws them different scenarios and how that applicant answers those scenarios will feed you know your organization a report that says this is the type of employee you have um these are the type of roles that they would work best in here's how to best lead them and develop them and work with them and communicate to them is that is that interesting to you as a recruiter, just at a high level? Is that something that at scale you see in a 10-year window, you know, organizations utilizing that data and being super thoughtful about, let's call it director level up to C-suite level jobs? I mean, if we're being honest, I think if you wait 10 years, it's too long. Anything that you can do for me, anything that you could do to enhance my productivity I will always work smarter than harder and I'm a stupid hard worker. And that's where I don't typically lose, right? Like I will always choose to use the smarter approach when I can, 
when I hit the roadblocks, though, I just don't stop. So I think that's a key where it's like, if you want to succeed as a company, you don't just need the brightest. You don't just need the hardest working. You do need to be able to capitalize on the mixture of both. And from your mouth to my ears, I hope that people take AI in a direction that enhances productivity and doesn't, isn't just a bottom line saver, you know, like, I mean, the reality is like we can use AI to help our navigate our training conversations. We can use AI to help with leadership so that leaders understand how they can help people better. It's not always just about the employee, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's the key is, is AI can do not just one side or the other. It can be your objective listener and put together all the data. Um, it should always be kept in check, especially right now. <laughs> you know, you should always have a set of si eyes on it, make sure it's, it's functioning. As you know, the models are not perfect, but um, there's definitely some cool things you could do with it. Yeah, it's yes. you know, yeah, it's definitely a cool thing. You know, I'm not someone that, you know, has the ability to build product, but I, th I definitely think from like a strategic perspective, um, companies can can just ask Chat GPT to do it for you. Now you're good. Exactly right. Um, all right, la last couple of things here. W what's happening in 2023? So um, I know that this. And I'll just ask you straight up here, and, and this is a debate that we, you and I don't have to get into based off of your opinion, because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just in a wait and see mode, but do you personally believe that we are going through a recession or we're going through an awkward position workforce wise for the next six to 12 months? What are your, what are your honest opinions on that? Well, I mean, first know that you can always have me back. I would love to continue the dialogue and conversation. I, I would love to continue with leaders to help other people grow. It, it costs me nothing and has everything to benefit somebody else, right? If, if anything I post can be helpful to one person, that's the reason I do it. One person, it's worth it, right? So we can so always continue this. Uh, love to do it. I mean, just uh, we can continue to push and help this world in so many ways, which is is why I've been super big on on the mental health and ADHD stuff you've seen me post. So, um, to answer your question, though, um, let's be honest: recession is defined by the government, and in the past, it had always been two periods of not meeting our GDP for negative point whatever it is, zero, one, two, five. I don't even remember the numbers percent, right? I think it's 0.125. Anyway, we go negative, right? And the government says, if it has happened for two consecutive quarters, then we're in a recession. I, I mean, I think we're past that, right? Like, so at this point, I think it's just a matter of understanding what the economic indicators are for how, like how we move forward. And there's always speculation on both sides. Here's what I'd tell you. I lived through 2008 as a real estate agent. I was a licensed real estate agent uh, for 2005 to beyond 2008, but I stopped doing real estate. I was working 90 hours a week, um, end of 2007, middle of 2008, because that's one of those jobs that is, you know, just kind of like you, you do the one thing when you can still, if you, you have it coming through already. Um, but the reality is like, I saw the loan market, right? I saw the money. I saw that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac drove everything. That's how I know that if we're not talking about money, like not just economics, but we're not talking about real money to, to people, 
um, how they can be Henry, you know, uh, Ford or how they can be Flagler or whoever pick, pick a guy from the past. It doesn't matter. Um, unfortunately the color, you know, may be white, <laughs> um, for a lot of people, but, um, uh, the reality is we have to find ways to use these things that have been indicators of the past to help people to move forward. And recession is, there's people who are going to get rich in a recession. doesn't matter, right? There's people who are going to make even more money because they understand what's happening behind the scenes and they have money. I can understand it all day long. If I don't have the money, it doesn't help. Right? Do you th- Let me ask you this real quick. Do you think, do you think companies need to be and I'll give you a real example, you know, in a real situation. Um, and, and Chris and I have talked about this publicly, so it's, it's public knowledge here. So, you know, with, with my last gig, uh, Benny was in a position where the investors there, the, the, those that made the financial decisions of the company, because it was structured in a way where, you know, there's, there's millions in runway, but it's controlled by a, a group of individuals. And a, a voting system occurred, and they felt that, where Benny was going as a product, the world was not going to go that direction for 18 month window. And they didn't want to fund a company that would either go flat or lose money over the next 18 months. My personal opinion is that's a little too proactive thinking. Um, Let's see what I would have probably done it six months at a time personally. Or or it's not proactive enough. Right. I mean, yeah. That that's that's the drag here is I think I think that's that's the hurdle that we all have to overcome, especially if you're an entrepreneur, is how do you realize that, you know, whether you're going through your your investor around your angel investors, you're looking for venture capitalists, you're willing to sell part of your company, whatever it might be, like to start something, you will need people to help you. And actually that is I'm so glad that we ended here or close, you know, too, because yeah, I yeah. wanted to make sure that if nothing else, what I've learned over these last two years is that you will need people to help you. And so I'm hoping that everybody who's listening to this understands that they also can be that person to help somebody else. And it could be as simple as literally just put, just reaching out your hand. You, you may have everything that they need. It might take two minutes of your time. It might take 10 um, it might take zero dollars. You can help people though. And, and that's the thing. If you're starting something, you will need help. No, I, I appreciate this, Dame. This has been a, um, this has been a great conversation. I think it's been pretty fluid and simple and, uh, there's a lot of energy and a lot of thoughts into t- in today's conversation. So I'm very appreciative of that. Um, I, I'll say this to wrap up and then please plug anything you want to plug. Um, Benny, the company that I'm talking about actually utilized your company from, oh, like, nice. uh, from like a payroll perspective and some checks and some direct deposit and things of that nature. So, um, look, my, fi- my final thoughts on what should be happening in 2023. And then just looking back overall in 2022, I think just, just get really smart about a few different areas, right? If everyone can get really smart, I think about the honesty and the communication process and strategy and system you utilize during recruiting. Um, I'm big on that. I'm big on being very direct, very honest, very detailed throughout the interview process. Let people really, really know what they're getting into at a real deep level, you know, get into, you know, and, and be honest about the career mapping opportunities. Like don't, don't do the old school thing. Well, the, you know, the possibilities are endless. Be honest, 
you know, and tell them granularly, like, look, right now, I, I don't see this role really developing in an 18 month window to the way that you're describing you would like it to um, hear the reasons why. And let, let us know if that's not going to work for you. And just to so just be honest and be direct. Um, and then I think the other thing I would say is uh, get really smart about your HR tech stack. That's something I'm big on. Um, I think you should have a really unique strategic technology for internal comms, recruiting, um, data management, you know, being thoughtful from like a DEI perspective, some really good DEI products are starting to pop up. So, um, and then besides that, as always, is try to put employees first and um, take what they say seriously. Any, uh, any final words from you, Dan? I love it. You know, transparency, I think, is key. Um, transparency and, uh, let's say authenticity is the, one of my favorite words of this last year as well, are, are absolutely key. People read through, uh, even if they don't know it and you know that they don't know it and you're smart enough to manipulate people. And that's what you choose to do. If you're in that type of environment, just know that subconsciously the reason they're applying and taking my interview, yeah, I didn't even have to reach out most of the time. It's because they, they saw through it, right? Like they felt what you just described. So I, I love it. I'm on board with you on that. I think it's a great direction ahead and in the sake of, of creating better environments for people, finding people the right place in the right time. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the things I'm super passionate about, which is why I'm where I'm at. So if I get the plugs, it's going to be, of course, thank you to iSolve, my leaders. Um, thank you to the people who support me every day, like my HR uh, BPs and my HR associates, Marilyn, uh, Caleb, Brandon, you're amazing. Chris Narik is my sorcerer. Phenomenal. You, you may have seen him on LinkedIn. Uh, even in his worst days, he tries to help everybody. He's always sending out layoff lists to all of us. And I, I can't thank him enough for that, even though we can't help everybody, which is um you know, that's also the other side of that coin, which is really, it can be hard sometimes. Um, so yeah, thank you to all them. But most importantly, thank you to my wife, you know, for putting up with my shit in the last few years. Um, I think, <laughs> I think that's the real thing is that um, I didn't know I had ADHD in my whole life. And it certainly affected some relationships some jobs, um, even if people didn't know that it did. Um, those behaviors can be very challenging to deal with, right? especially if you're, you're a passionate person who wants the best for everybody. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that does it for me. And I really can't thank you enough as well for this time. I've loved our conversation and want to keep helping people move forward. So I hope this does help somebody. No, I appreciate it. This has really been nice. And I know for a fact, I'm definitely going to have you, you know, have you back again. Um, I think it's a really fluid conversation. I think we both bring some really interesting thoughts. So, um, I'll definitely have you back a few more times, maybe two, three more times in 2023, if you're open to it. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. And I guess, uh, I guess that's it. Sounds good. I look forward to continuing to listen and, uh, you know, maybe we'll meet some of your other guests as well. We'll do a roundabout or something. Yeah. And that's an accident I was going to say too, like any of your colleagues, you know, maybe like the entire, like, you know, a few folks on your side of the side of the world, you know, you know, whomever stewards, I, I think you just dropped their name, but, uh, you know, you're maybe possibly your head of people, maybe some folks from LD. If you want to get like a little, little posse together, we can definitely do like a, like a round table, four or five people on here and, and, uh, you know, share some thoughts for 90 minutes. 
Yeah, greatly appreciate it. Um, again, thanks so much, Anthony. It's been a pleasure. Um, or, sorry, AJ. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no worries. We probably know each other well enough by now, right? Um, and listen, I, I really do appreciate everything you're doing for people. So I think that has to be said. So keep doing it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Have a wonderful